Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Vicki Talbot is a retired college professor and administrator, and is also a medium with a lifelong interest in afterlife studies. Upon the passing of her son, Brayden, in 2000, Vicki began hearing from him, at the time primarily through voice messages left on her answering machine and later through digital recorders and computers. As a result of exploring instrumental transcommunication, or ITC, online, she joined the Big Circle, an ITC group part of what was formerly known as the American Association of Electronic Voice Phenomena, and is now the A-Trans-C, founded by Sarah Estep and currently led by Tom and Lisa Butler. Vicki was certified as a proxy practitioner by the association and continues to work with the bereaved, connecting them with their children and other loved ones in spirit through transcommunication and other means. This is part one of the two-part conversation with Vicki about how her son Brayden connected with her through digital recorders after his death, which continues to this day, and the synchronistic events that led her to the big circle as well as what her son has to say about pets in spirit. Welcome, Vicki. I'm so happy that you're here on the show. I'm really honored to be here. Believe me, Tanya, this is going to be good. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is fabulous. I first became acquainted with your story from the movie Calling Earth by Dan Drazen. Now, right. Dan was actually on the show not long ago, and we discussed the movie at length and the topic of um, EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena. I was very, very moved by your story. And in particular, I'll, I'll let you explain, but in particular, there was a, an incredible synchronicity that occurred that brought you to becoming an electronic voice phenomena practitioner. So if you don't mind maybe sharing a, a bit of the story on, on how everything came to be. Sure. Well, um, what first got my attention was about five months after Braden passed, he started leaving me messages on my answering machine. Now, we, Braden and I, had known about EVP. When he was about 12, I got a Noetic Sciences Review magazine in the mail, and we read about Frederick Jurgensen showing up on uh, the Harsh Fishbox fish TV, and we read about EVP, and we got really excited. We read about Sarah S. Stepp. She's um, a, the founder of one of the major um, electronic voice phenomenon organizations in the world, and it happened to be in the United States. So we got out our analog recorder and we recorded all night long. Um, well, at least as long as the clean tape would allow. Got up the next morning and we honestly thought we heard voices. However, we didn't have the equipment to analyze those voices. And that interest just went by the wayside for us. So he started leaving me messages on the phone after he passed. They were very... Um, evidential. Uh, they followed a certain uh, pattern that he had personality-wise. He would, I would never answer the phone and I would let everything go to voicemail, even him. And 
he would be on the phone saying, mom, mom, pick up the phone. And then of course, when I wouldn't pick it up, he would make his embarrassed sound, which was, and that was accompanied by a triangle mouth that nobody in the world could do except for him. Uh, So his phone messages came in that order. So the first one was mom, mom. And then the second one was pick up the phone. And then the third one about a week later was, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) And then after that, he left a little rap ditty. He was a hip hop guy, one of the best extemporaneous hip hop guys anybody'd ever heard around here. So he had to leave me a little rap, but that's what got me interested. So we spent a lot of time, the other mother and I, because Braden and Jim passed together in a kayaking accident, we spent a lot of time figuring out how we could contact them. And our first excursion into contacting them came in the form of orbs. Mary Jo was really good at that. And she could, uh, she could have them come on demand. She would say, just come right in front of Brent, which was Jim's brother, and certainly this orb just suddenly zipped right past his face, you know, things like that. So we were really excited with that. But then um, I just kept going back to his phone messages and thinking, you know, he's always been a communicator. This is what he wants me to do, I think, to get in touch with him. So I started researching on the internet and I found the AAEVP, the American Association for Electronic Voice Phenomenon, which is now um, the ATRANS-C, Association Transcommunication. And one of the first pages I looked at was uh, an article by Lisa Butler, and it came out in their newsletter in the spring of 2003 called Children Together on the Other Side. And there was a picture of Karen Mossy and Martha Copeland, the founding mothers, with their children and an explanation of how they had worked to um, communicate with their children. Their children came through and they were now hoping to help other parents who were bereaved, uh, specifically with children. So I decided, okay, this this I've got to join. So in January of 2004, I made my way to the big circle. After I joined and I said who I was and who Braden was, suddenly I get this flurry of um, emails, or actually it was in a Yahoo group, right? The old Yahoo groups. Get a flurry of messages saying, Braden, well, we've heard from Braden. We, we know who Braden is. And now we know, and suddenly they were posting all of these EVPs saying, this is Braden, I'm Braden, Braden's here, Braden's alive, he's not dead, you know, all this kind of thing. So that was, I mean, incredible for me. So let me just step in for a moment. That was incredible to, to watch in the film. I mean, that's an incredible synchronicity and it's very heartwarming and very evidential. It was quite the story. Um, Everybody was beyond surprised that finally they had a face to go with this name and that he had joined prior to my even knowing anything about this particular group and that he was just waiting for me to join. 
That's amazing. Now, you said the big circle. That's the name of the group. How did that name come to be? Was there something special about that, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, Martha Copeland's daughter, Kathy Amos, had passed, and she's one of the founding mothers. And Kathy is the one who came through with the desire that we call this group of people on the other side, including us here, the big circle. So they had decided amongst themselves that that would be the name. The name on the of the group on the other side of the kids that had come through, they call themselves the big circle. And then now the parents, you call yourselves big circle as well. Well, they made it clear that we're all part of the big circle. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It crosses the veil. Right. Of course. That's so right. sweet. I love that. So the first EVP you're saying you got on your answering machine, that, that was the very first EVP you ever heard from him? Right. And I right. heard from him, as far as I know, about three or four times that way. And um, actually, the other mother was quite taken by this idea. and But here I kept getting these messages from Braden and she had gotten nothing from Jim. So she came up one night and she said, you know, I really wish that Jim could come through too. And I said, well, why don't we just pray about it? I mean, there was nothing else I could think of. So we said a prayer that please, you know, allow Jim to come through if he can come through. And of course we continued on our conversation um, diverged into other topics, and suddenly the phone rang. And I never answer the phone. We had forgotten our prayer. So I'm like waving the phone away to Mary Jo, saying, just keep on talking. So it goes to the voicemail, and suddenly we hear Jim say, Mom, I'll come again. In his voice. And Braden's were also in his earth voice when they came That's off the phone like that. What was your thought? What what did you, how well, did you we, feel when you heard that? We went into kind of a shock and then we both just started crying. I mean, it was like, it was so amazing mm -hmm. that it was in his voice. Now we had to get up and go over the phone. We heard the timbre of his voice, but we couldn't hear the EVP until we replayed it. Um, but we certainly knew it was Jim saying something and we just we were amazed. Mary Jo started crying. I started crying. It's like, okay, now we know they both can come through this way. How has that helped you with the grieving process? Because losing a child is very devastating. And I just, I'm curious, how, do, how did you cope? How do you cope now? I honestly don't know where I'd be today uh, in my grieving process, or even if I'd be on this earth, if it weren't for Mary Jo, um, and for our communication with our boys, and for the work that we've ended up doing as a result of our connecting with the boys, because part of the big circle is helping other bereaved parents to connect with their loved ones on the other side. And you do this, um, you post these EVPs that you capture on your blog called Welcome to Eternity. Right. Um, pretty careful about posting personal readings, mm -hmm. at least thus far. 
um, because they can be very emotional. Uh, but there are certain mothers and fathers who have been eager for me to get at least a couple of their examples up for their children because they're just so excited and proud of their kids for being able to accomplish this feat. Meanwhile, we have no clue how they do it. It seems that they have to learn the skill on the other side, that not everybody is able to do it automatically. That seems to be the case. And it's also the case that they tell me always to ask in advance if a certain person will be available for a session. Um, sometimes that person is not available for whatever reason. Um, we often aren't told the reasons. Uh, we're just said not now. We're just told not now, try again later, you know, things like that. But mm -hmm. for the most part, the ones that we come to them with, uh, the children, the young adults, they're ready to come through. So do they get in touch with you, the parents, uh, through your blog? Or how do they get in touch with you for sessions? Um, you know, sometimes through podcasts mm -hmm. like this one. Uh, sometimes if they find our blog, it's not, I, I don't advertise a lot. Um, I'm kind of of the mind right now that whoever shows up, there's a good reason for them being there. Uh, so through the, through the blog, through the A-Trans-C, uh, sometimes people will go there looking for information about contacting their loved ones and they'll find out about the big circle and we'll get a rough referral from uh, Tom and Lisa Butler. Uh, sometimes just through the community, somebody finds out that I do this work and they call and ask me for help. It could be with their children or it could be a brother or sister or mother or father, an animal. Uh, somebody just recently contacted me uh, about a male, a young male spirit that he had in his house that was goofing off in the house and he wanted information about that. So, you know, things like that, those ways. Right. You've touched on a few things that I do want to elaborate on, but let's go back to Tom and Lisa Butler and the atrancc.org is their mm -hmm. website. And a little bit about the history of EVP, because this is probably newer to a lot of people or they might have heard it about it, but maybe don't know the, a little more of the extent of the history of it. So if, if you could share with us a bit more about that. Sure. Well, as far as the history goes, this kind of uh, anomalous phenomena has been coming through since technology was invented. So we have evidence that, you know, as early as 1925, uh, there were telephone calls that were written about. Uh, 1949, Marcello Bacci started his work, and it's astounding to say the least. He recently passed, um, but he was able to do sessions with loved ones where he was using an old tube radio, and he'd get the session going, and then he'd slowly but surely remove the tubes from the radio, and yet the communication would continue. He's an amazing researcher. Um, you know, all the way through to the 60s and 70s where we have Konstantin Radova coming through with his book, Breakthrough. 
uh, George Meek, uh, Bill O'Neill, and Sarah Estep, who I mentioned, uh, who started the AAEVP and turned it over to Tom and Lisa Butler. Um, the Harsh Fishbacks from Europe, uh, future INET members with Mark Macy, who has written a book called Miracles in the Storm. They received amazing communications, telephone communications, where the guys would just call up. Constantine Raudova would call Mark Macy up and have a phone conversation with him. Very amazing stuff. So it's been going on uh, for quite some time. As early as 1901, uh, direct voices were being recorded. Now, direct voices come right out of the air. And um, a guy called Waldemar uh, Borgras, I think his last name was, uh, he actually captured those direct voices. There was a medium sitting in the room. That medium had the ability to bring through direct voice through the air, and he just recorded those. Those aren't true EVP, but that's just to point out that once this technology became available, um, they were recording the direct voices that they could not record prior to that. So direct voice, is that the same as an after-death communication? Is that the same thing then? Yeah, if it's an independent direct voice, it's coming out of the it, it, it can be located, say, in the upper right-hand corner of a room and you hear voices come out. This is up along the lines of Leslie Flint. So if, if your uh, listeners know about Leslie Flint and also Emmeline French, they would sit there, go into their semi-relaxed uh, or sometimes trance kind of state and voices would be speaking in the air. And then those voices were recorded, like I said, as early as 1901. Um, the real electronic, visual, and uh, audio electronic voice phenomenon actually started being studied more like the uh, 1925 through the present, I'd say. Some of the terminology, I, I'm still not always clear you know, the different categorization, but th that makes it a little bit more clear. The direct voice, extremely intriguing. If it comes through a medium that's present in the room, the medium, whether it's a person or a tape recorder, there's always some kind of medium. And if you're alone in the room and you hear the direct voice, for example, then you end up being technically the medium. Is that yeah, right? That's mm -hmm. correct. And that has actually happened to me on a few occasions but it's not strictly EVP as we know it. Sure. Now, that's another thing that I was intrigued to understand that you've always had some mediumistic abilities. Yes, and so had my son. So we had experiences with the other side off and on throughout his life and certainly throughout my life. Um, sometimes that would be communication with uh, deceased loved ones. Other times with Braden, it would be, he, he had voices and things that would, he had direct voice going on a couple of times that really scared him. Um, but mostly it would be mental forms of communication, you know, that kind of thing, not electronic per se. But I remember you also said that you were not, you didn't always want to rely on your own mediumistic abilities you wanted something that's more evidential. 
Right. Because, see, I was raised in this academic setting where if you can't prove it, you know, then it doesn't exist. So I would get communication from the other side. um, And normally it would turn out to be correct. uh, But I still I'm a skeptic. And when this came about all of this, I thought, well, wow, this is this could be a really great way for me to validate what I'm getting mentally. It's definitely a great validation. That, of course, gave you the evidence so that you do know that this is real, this is not your mind, this is not just hope or grief, right? That you know for sure this is your son coming through and all the other people's children. I mean, this is real. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's so extraordinary. Like I said, when I watch the whole film and all of the other examples of evidence, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. And science is catching up. People are getting more interested, more open. And I think a lot of different scientists are also opening up. Not everybody, but they're starting to look a little closer at all of these examples of robust evidence. So that's a good thing. I hope that continues. I think the EVP phenomena definitely gives it some strength. Yeah. Um, You know, like any other phenomena like this, you're going to have a craze that ensues once it becomes mainstream. And when that happens, you've got to use discretion and definitely have some sort of gift of discernment when you're listening to some of these and understand that you know there there are quite a few false positives in in some methods um be very careful about um what you're what you're assuming to be real versus not real Mm -hmm. um especially with some of the newer methods which we can talk about EVP is a system that has class a classification system and it's very organized. It's been scientifically studied. Tom and Lisa Butler have done a lot of work and written papers on the classification system and how to discern EVPs, et cetera, et cetera. So there's mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of information that backs this process up. We'll definitely go into that. Before we do, we're going to play some EVPs as well, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be really fascinating. But before we get into that, the one last thing I have to ask about, because I'm interested and I think other people would be, is the pet EVPs. Please tell me more about that. (laughs) Well, and I hope that we'll be able to play some of those in the future. Um, You know, the big circle is particularly fond of animals. All of the founding mothers had that to say about their children, that there's something about the animals for all of them, and that includes Braden. I find that when I'm recording, uh, the most incredible, evidential, amazing recordings from them come when when there's something like that going on, like say you've got a pet that's going to pass um, and you're worried about that. And I have several examples. Uh, They come through clearly. They hardly ever give advice, but when when it came to one of my cats, 
I didn't know what to do, for example, about putting my poor cat to sleep or not. And they said, no, don't do this. She wants this process to play out. She doesn't want to go to the veterinarians to be put to sleep. She wants to stay at home and be with you and pass in her sleep. You know, so, okay. You know, because I don't have a particular ability to figure out what my animals are thinking. Right. Um, I tend to be more mediumistic than I do psychic per se. And that's because I asked them a long time ago to let me let me live my life as if I'm watching a TV show. And don't give me the ending, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tell me any of that stuff. So uh, they have a tendency not to. Uh, but at times they will help me with my animals' wishes, for example, or the wishes of other people other people's animals. They then follow that up after the animal has passed with, at least Braden has, with information on where the animal is, how the animal is doing, uh, what the animal wants to say. You know, they're obviously not speaking English. Uh, they don't have voice boxes over there, so they're not over there talking into a recorder like we do. Right. Uh, they're manipulating the energy, and I'm not sure whether they're manipulating the energy for the animal, intuiting what the animal is feeling and wants to say. Uh, I really don't have that information. It's still fascinating. You know, there was a time m myself where I wasn't too sure about how pets, whether they have a full soul or spirit. If I've heard they've had half souls. I, I you know, I'm still unclear about the pet phenomena, but I have experienced some sort of etheric type of pet soul, if you will, um, before one of my cats passed, actually. I think it was a bit of an indicator that the time was nearing. Maybe mm -hmm. it was a helper. I think it was a helper animal, um, mm -hmm. the way we have people come for us at the, you know, right. when it's our time. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of what I pieced together. So that was very shocking to me and uh, very new for me. So uh, yeah, but the pets, I mean, the bond we have with our animals is just, I mean, there's a deep love for our well, pets. Well, and, and that, that, yes. And that is their main point. It's all about love. And if the love is there between the animal and the person or the person and the person, whatever it happens to be, if the love is there and the love is strong, that connection, that bond will not end upon the death of the animal. And the animal will be taken care of by those who love you, for example. So your cat, the animal is taken care of by your loved ones. At least this is, this is what, they've told me. So my mom has one of my, our dogs. She really loved that dog, Roxy, and she took Roxy. Now, Braden has Line Eye, and that's one of our cats. Aww. And um, he actually has a couple of our cats, and now he's got Rock uh, Rudy as well, who recently passed. Mm, and Rudy, interestingly, uh, they said that Rudy wanted to say how sorry he was. And it, I just burst into tears when I heard that because his last days were really difficult. We had to give him water packs under his skin, you know, a couple times a day. And 
you know, it was really hard for me to hurt. I felt like I was hurting him. And, you know, we finally got to the point where, you know, when you're, when you're doing this much to try to keep a cat alive, sometimes it's better to let them go. And they agreed with me. But what was interesting was his comment. He was so sorry that it had to go that way. Right. Wow. But he expressed his love and that it was, it was meant to be and that he's happy. We don't want them to suffer. That's always the position that we have, right? We want to make right. the best choice right. so that to reduce the suffering. And um, they they don't want us to suffer. Right. So so his comment, you know, through Braden was that he was very sorry that we hurt like that, but he's still alive. You know, that's what they want to let us know. And he's happy and being taken care of. That's so beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. Stay tuned for part two of this episode, where we discuss the EVP classification system and listen to the EVPs that Vicki has captured over the years. For more on Vicki and to read her blog, go to welcometoeternity.com. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And be sure to join me next time where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.